Let's bow our heads in prayer. Lord, how great Thou art. How gracious. How wonderful that You invite us into Your house. Invite us to sit and be fed at Your table and to hear Your Word. Speak now and equip us, Lord, to go out into the world. In your name we pray. Amen. So, have you ever been in a situation where the presence of one purpose, one person made a huge difference? I can remember when I was campus pastor at Concordia, Wisconsin. We would every year we would take in the fall and in the winter we would take retreats up to uh, a retreat center that the college, the university owns up near Green Bay. And when we went on these retreats, we would always order the food from food service and take it with us from the campus cafeteria. Well, one particular time I was, you know, we would take turns preparing, getting them food ready. And one particular time I was in the kitchen and we discovered to our chagrin that the food service had only sent enough sloppy joe for 20 people. And we had 60 college students on the trip. Now, if I had been standing there by myself, I don't know what I would have done. Panic? I, I was completely flummoxed. But fortunately, there was a young man standing next to me by the name of David Fedowitz, and his problem-solving skills learned as a child, a missionary kid growing up in West Africa, kicked into gear, and David saw all these boxes of graham crackers. And he said, PB, let's crumble up all the graham crackers and mix them with the sloppy joe. No one will ever know. And in fact, they might wonder since it's from the cafeteria, why it tastes so good. Well, that's what we did. And everybody ate, and no one complained. No one even knew until later we told them. David being present at that retreat, in that kitchen, made a big difference that day. The presence of Jesus made an even bigger difference at the wedding in Cana. I love how this story opens. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And then there's this sentence, Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. Now imagine... What would have happened if Jesus hadn't been invited? They'd have run out of wine. Now, you, you might be thinking, well, so what? They'd run out of wine. What's the big deal? What is, weddings in that culture were a big deal. The whole community came together to celebrate the weddings. Sometimes the feasts could last seven days. To have run out of wine early would have been a tragedy. Now, now, imagine for a moment that you're having friends over for dinner and halfway through, you run out of food and so half the group doesn't even get fed. 
Or if, if any of you are on the hospitality team here at church, I know every time we have a funeral, there's this great fear. What if we don't have enough food for everyone? I don't know if it's ever happened. Janice is shaking her head, yeah, so maybe it has. You know, Lutheran, Lutheran ladies are usually overfeed us. But, you know, there's that fear. Well, this, this, if he had to run out of wine, would have ended the celebration. People would have gone home disappointed, dissatisfied, grumbling if Jesus hadn't been there. But he was there. His presence made all the difference. You know the story. Mary, Mary comes to uh, Jesus and says, they're out of wine. And he says, yeah, so what, basically? What's it got to do with me? And she just kind of ignores him, turns to the, the servant says, do whatever he says. And then we get the text. Now there were six stone water jars there, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. You do the math. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And they filled them to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. And so they took it. And when the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine... The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and when the people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. Now I think that there are some things for us to learn here about how the presence of Jesus blesses us. The first is this. Even the small, ordinary things in your life are important to Him. I want you to think about that. His first miracle is not raising the dead. It's not healing a blind man. It's turning water into wine so the party can keep going. I've had people say this to me in my ministry. You know, I don't bother God I don't, with the little stuff in life. I don't pray to Him with the trivial stuff in my life. He didn't care about that. Oh, yes, he does. He cares about everything in your life. And, and you know this. You know how I know you know this? You take time to pray before every meal. What could be more every day than eating? And yet we know he cares about that. Second thing, his presence brings joy into our lives. Think about it. He turned water into wine. He wanted the party to continue. He wanted them to enjoy themselves. He wants you and me to have joy in our lives. If I were to ask you, what's the biggest problem in life? You might talk about struggles at work. You might talk about marriage problems, maybe health problems, maybe some financial troubles, maybe the aches and pains that are a part of your life. And that would be true. But you'd be missing something. The biggest problem in life is not only the presence of pain. It's also the absence of joy. And I think right now in our culture and in our world, we've got a lot of people that are missing joy. Maybe because they're working too hard, maybe because 
We're just so sick of COVID. Maybe it's because of the isolation that people have been in, in and out of over the last months. Maybe it's stuff at work. Our culture feels angry, not joyful. Jesus desires that you and I have joy. And the source of that joy is Him. He. Did you know that joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit? It's not one of the gifts. You know, God gives gifts, different gifts to different people. It's one of the fruits. It's one of the things that God gives and intends for all believers. Third thing is, His presence also brings hope and faith, you know, they, they not, the, ran, the wine ran out. There was nothing they could do. But, you know, one person didn't give up hope. That's Mary. She had hope. And because of that hope, she turned to Jesus and said, hey, they ran out of wine. And because Jesus was there, he did something about it. He turned the water into wine. And because he did that, faith was born. Did you hear the last verse of our text today? This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. His presence brings faith. His being here means we always have hope. I, I, I visited a couple weeks ago with a member of our church who's in the hospital and he's in a lot of pain. But he talked to me about hope. He said, Pastor, I don't know what what I would do if I didn't have Jesus. That's, he's the only thing. His presence is the only thing that's getting me through this. See, Jesus is what makes the church unique in this world. Jesus is what makes the Christian faith different from all the other religions in the world. You know, you've heard the story, right, about the man who's walking along, falls into a deep pit, there's a rattlesnake in the pit, he starts yelling for help. Along in this, in this kind of modern-day parable, along come all the various founders of the world religions, and they, and they give him advice on what he should do to get himself out of the pit. You should pray harder, you should promise to be a better person, you should meditate for freedom and all this, and then they just walk on and they leave him in the pit. Jesus comes along, and he gets down into the pit with him. And he lifts the man up. And just as the man steps free, the snake strikes and Jesus dies. See, that's the difference. Every other religion is going to give you something you need to do. And the problem with that is you can't. I can't. We can't. We can never be good enough. God can and our faith is the only one where God Himself came down, took on our flesh and blood, and in the person of Jesus did for us what we can't do, saved us. There is no other name under heaven, no other name under heaven given among men by which you must be saved. Only the name of Jesus. You know, if you think about the organizations and the ministries we have here, Jesus is what makes them different. Jesus is the reason the Quilters is not just a sewing club. 
It's because of Jesus that those ladies are together sewing those quilts to share His love and care for people around the world who need a warm blanket. You know, you guys in the young at heart, you could play Mexican train at the senior center. But the difference is when you play Mexican train here, you're gathered together as a fellowship gathered around Jesus Christ. Our preschool is unique. Oh yeah, we teach what other preschools teach. We teach reading and writing and and math and so forth, but more importantly, we teach Jesus. That's what makes this place unique. We preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Greeks, but to those who are called Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Jesus is what makes being an open-armed family of believers so important. A couple weeks ago, I, I told you, and I told the Bible class actually about uh, a middle school teacher, and, and he, he was, I heard him speak at a youth gathering a long time ago, and he had been named Teacher of the Year, and he was giving his faith testimony, and he talked about a middle school teacher that he had when he was in middle school. He said, I was a lost soul, I didn't know who I was, I had no faith, and in the public school, this middle school teacher took an interest in me, got me involved in the yearbook. And pretty soon he and his wife had us over to the, had me over to the house. And before I knew it, he was taking me to church. He said that middle school teacher and his wife were Jesus with skin on for me. I met and saw who Jesus was and how they loved me. Well, folks, God wants our open arms to be the arms of Jesus with skin on for people. That when you greet a newcomer, that Jesus is greeting them. When you sit and listen to a troubled friend, you're God's ears to that man or that woman. That when you connect somebody to a Stephen minister, Jesus is in you and in that Stephen minister reaching out to and embracing that person. In any of that, we're inviting people into the open arms of Jesus. Last fall, I told the confirmands, I said, I really do want you to learn the stuff that's in the catechism. But there's something far more important that I want you to learn. Way more important than being able to recite some answers to the lay ministers. I want you to learn and get to know Jesus. Because he's the one who can change lives. He's the one who can turn water into wine. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Years ago, I heard a man give his testimony. And he talked about how as a young man, as a teenager, some elder in the church did really laid out a judgment on him, did something, said something, and the young man just decided, I had it with God, I had it with church, I don't need God, I'll handle life on my own, and so he left. Didn't come back for years. Worked fine, he handled everything fine, until one day 
his little girl got sick and died in the hospital. And here he was with something he couldn't handle. And he was sitting in the hospital waiting room, tears streaming down his face, his life falling apart. And a Lutheran pastor sat down next to him and listened to him and held him, prayed with him. That Lutheran pastor ended up doing his daughter's funeral. So the man decided, you know, I'm going to try this guy's church. So the next Sunday after the funeral, he went to church, and it was a different pastor preaching, and the pastor didn't know him. But a man said, you know, you would have thought he did because everything in the sermon, it, it was like it was speaking straight to me. And how did this guy know? And the answer was he didn't. But God did. Jesus did. And so in that pastor who sat down next to him at the hospital and did the funeral, in the love that congregation showed him by taking care of his family during the funeral, in the message from that other pastor, this man met the open arms of Jesus. He was blessed by the presence of Jesus in that congregation. That's the kind of church God wants fishers to be. Amen? Amen. Please stand. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life that is everlasting. Amen.